Hello and welcome to the second series of our Maritime Impact podcast. I am your host, Eric Nyhus, Director Environment for Maritime at DNV. In this second series, we will continue to explore current greenhouse gas policies and regulations shaping the maritime sector. We will discuss the latest developments in the EU, the United States and in Asia. And we will, of course, keep a close watch on the developments at the International Maritime Organization. As always on Maritime Impact, we will continue to ask how these developments may affect shipping businesses in the move towards a decarbonized future. It's been a busy few months since MEPC adopted its latest package of greenhouse gas regulations. But what really stood out this summer was, of course, the EU's launch of the Fit for 55 decarbonization package. So today we will focus on what is in this new EU legislation package, when we can expect to see it becoming effective, and what it is likely to mean for shipping. We hope you enjoy the episode, and now on to the show. Perhaps the most significant policy initiative of the current EU Commission is the EU Green Deal. It has the ultimate goal of creating a climate-neutral Europe for 2050, and shipping is part of this decarbonization effort. In broad terms, the Commission is looking at a 90% reduction in shipping emissions by 2050. To ensure that the EU is legally, and not only politically, obliged to reach its 2050 goal, it adopted the climate law this summer. This enshrines the 2050 goal and also mandates that the original 2030 target of a 40% greenhouse gas emission reduction when compared to 1990 is increased to 55%. The policy package launched on July 14, which contains numerous new and updated directives and regulations intended to ensure that the 2030 target is reached, is accordingly known as the Fit for 55 package. Fit for 55 is aimed at a broad range of EU economic activities, but with respect to shipping, there are two directives and two regulations that are particularly noteworthy. These are the revised European Trading Systems Directive, which means shipping will be engaged in carbon trading, the Fuel EU Maritime Regulation, which is a new policy measure intended to drive the shift to low-carbon fuels, the revised Alternative Fuels Infrastructure Regulation, which intends to increase the availability of shoreside electricity and LNG in ports, and finally, the revision of the Energy Taxation Directive to end the tax exemptions for conventional marine fuels while incentivizing the uptake of alternatives. At this stage, these are proposals put forward by the European Commission, and negotiations with the European Parliament and the European Council are just starting. These negotiations are expected to be lengthy and complex, and we expect it to be well into 2022 before we start seeing conclusions. Let's dive into the details. First, let's focus on the European trading system. The ETS is a so-called cap-and-trade system aimed at encouraging industries to decarbonize by capping or limiting the amount of CO2 that can be emitted. In somewhat simplified terms, a certain number of carbon credits, also known as EU allowances, are made available in the market every year, and industries such as power plants and other major emitters need to acquire enough EU allowances from this market to equal their CO2 emissions. The number of EUAs issued constitutes the cap, and the trading necessary to acquire the allowances drive the market price. 
and as the supply of allowances decreases year on year, prices will tend to increase, at least as long as demand doesn't decrease as fast. Today, the carbon price is around 60 euros per ton CO2, which corresponds to roughly 200 euros per ton of conventional marine fuel. So in practical terms, what will it mean for shipping when it enters the European trading system in 2023? The ETS builds on the existing EU monitoring, reporting and verification system, the MRV. This means that it will apply to ships above 5,000 gross tons that are engaging in commercial activities, and that the MRV emission reports form the basis for calculating the number of EUAs that need to be acquired for each ship. But there are a couple of complicating factors. Firstly, ships are liable for 100% of their emissions in and between EU ports, but only 50% of the emissions when sailing into or out of the EU. And secondly, there is a phase-in with ships being liable for only 20% of these emissions in 2023, ramping up to 100% in 2026. The ETS only addresses tank-to-wake CO2 emissions, so both life cycle analysis aspects and other emission types are out of its scope at present. The ETS is not a pay-as-you-go system. The key responsibility of the operator is to surrender or delete EU allowances corresponding to the emission liability incurred. This has to be done by the 30th of April of the year following the reporting year and is done in a specialized accounting system set up for this purpose. For shipping, this means that 30 April 2024 is going to be the first key date for surrendering EUAs corresponding to the 2023 emission scope. However, when to acquire the EUAs is up to the operator, as long as they are in the account when they need to be surrendered. So how exactly do you get hold of the EUAs? In practical terms, there are two key mechanisms, the auctioning of EUAs by the authorities and purchasing EUAs from other market actors that have EUAs for sale. This can be banks, other finance institutions, or other companies. Given the market setup, it's pretty clear that timing, speculation, and hedging all become significant. Non-compliance is an expensive proposition. In addition to having to acquire the necessary number of EUAs, a fine of 100 euros per EUA will be added, and two consecutive years of non-compliance may lead to the ship being banned from EU waters. There is, of course, still time to prepare, but it's really important for operators to start thinking about business implications now. So that is the ETS in a nutshell. Now on to the fuel EU maritime regulation. Fuel EU maritime differs from the ETS directive in that it is a totally new regulation applying exclusively to shipping. At its core, it is intended to drive the uptake of low carbon fuels by imposing requirements on the greenhouse gas intensity of the energy used on board ships. The requirement becomes increasingly stringent over time. In contrast to the ETS, this regulation uses a life cycle perspective when determining the CO2 equivalents, in addition to also including methane and nitrous oxides. The regulation will come into effect in 2025, with an initially modest 2% improvement compared to a 2020 baseline, ramping up to a 6% requirement in 2030. 
However, by 2050, the requirement will have become a 75% improvement. Since the regulation focuses on the greenhouse gas intensity of energy used on board, credit is given for systems that provide energy input, such as wind and solar power. However, with the way the calculations presently are set up, conventional energy-saving devices that simply reduce fuel consumption will not help in becoming compliant. The scope of the energy use covered by Fuel EU Maritime has a parallel in the approach taken for the ETS, in that all energy used in or between EU ports is included, while only 50% of the energy used when sailing into or out of the EU is covered. There is also the intent to establish a monitoring, reporting and verification system to underpin the regulation, and this is proposed to be separate from and additional to the current MRV system. To add some flexibility, the system also contains an averaging and pooling mechanism for ships and companies. The regulation further contains shore power requirements on container and passenger ships. From 2030, these vessels must connect to shore power while in EU ports for more than two hours. Finally, as for the ETS, there are penalties for non-compliance, including the possibility of being banned from EU waters if there have been two consecutive years of non-compliance. There is also a fine mechanism for non-compliance with the shore power provisions. The ETS for shipping and the fuel EU maritime are without doubt the most impactful aspects of Fit for 55 for shipping. The ETS will increase the cost of CO2 emissions significantly, encouraging all manner of efforts at reducing the level and the cost of emitting CO2. The fuel EU maritime regulation will, in practice, mandate a shift to lower carbon fuels with potentially significant technical impact on ships. This impact will, to a very large degree, depend on the kind of replacement fuels that become available. At least initially, we expect it to act as a significant encouragement to the uptake of LNG and drop-in biofuels. In addition to the ETS and Fuel EU Maritime, the Commission wants to see an expansion of both LNG and onshore electricity supply in core EU ports and are therefore revising the Alternative Fuels Infrastructure Regulation. Without focusing too much on the details, this revision will require that EU countries make adequate bunkering supplies for LNG available by 2025, as well as sufficient onshore power supply facilities by 2030. It is clear that part of the intent behind this regulation is to ease compliance with the shore power provisions of the Fuel EU Maritime Regulation. The last element of the Fit for 55 package is that the tax exemption for marine fuels is ending, at least partly. Bunkers sold in the European Economic Area for voyages within the EEA will no longer be tax exempt. Heavy fuel and gas oil will now be taxed at a rate corresponding to roughly 37 euros per ton, with LNG also being taxed at a somewhat lower rate initially. Low carbon fuels will have a 10-year exemption. International bunkers remains tax-exempt, and while member states have the option of unilaterally imposing taxes on these, we do not expect this to happen. And finally, if you are already suffering from EU regulatory fatigue, be aware that there are other regulations and policy initiatives out there that are not directly linked to the EU Fit for 55 package, even if they belong under the Green Deal umbrella. Key among these are the EU taxonomy and the Zero Pollution Action Plan for Water, Air and Soil. 
So what does the shipping industry need to take away from the EU's Fit for 55 legislation package? The key point for the maritime sector is that the EU is putting forward regulations that will have an increasingly significant impact on shipping. The cost picture will change and the regulatory requirements will drive the uptake of new technical solutions. From DNV's perspective, it is very clear that data quality, streamlined reporting systems, and sophisticated digital platforms are going to become increasingly important, whether it is to ensure compliance or minimize emission-related cost. Our Veracity platform is continuously evolving to cater to precisely these needs. We will, of course, continue to keep a close watch on Fit for 55 as it makes its way through the political negotiations and we'll continue to keep our customers up to speed on this and other regulatory developments. Don't be surprised if you revisit it in a future podcast. And before I go, I want to let you know that we have recently published our new compliance planner, available on our website, which is designed to help DNV customers easily track the existing requirements and deadlines of regulations for both individual vessels and entire fleets. This will, of course, be kept continuously updated as the regulatory landscape evolves. As always, DNV stands ready to assist. You've been listening to the Maritime Impact Podcast from DNV with me, Eric Nayus. Please join us for the next episode where we focus on what's on the IMO's future agenda and the various issues working groups will need to tackle in the coming months. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to give us a rating or review or visit dnv.com forward slash decarbonization for more information. Thank you.